Welcome to the Media Insider, the podcast which gives you the secrets on how to get into the media. Every episode, I interview a commissioning editor or producer about exactly what stories and interviews they commission for their pages or programme and how you can pitch to them. I'm your host, Helen Croydon. I'm an author, a former journalist, and now I run a small PR practice called ThoughtLeadershipPR.com helping business leaders, academics, entrepreneurs and public figures become better known as experts in their field. If you like this podcast, please tell your colleagues, share it on social media. That's how others find it. Well, this episode, I'm joined by Jess Austin. She's communities editor for Metro.co.uk, not to be confused with Metro, the newspaper. We are going to find out all about that later. We'll also find out what exactly a communities editor is. Uh, Jess has also had lots of other roles uh, within Metro.co.uk. And before that, she was blogs assistant at Huffington Post. Welcome, Jess. Hi, Helen. Thanks so much for having me. So you commission Metro Blogs. Just tell us a little bit, what is that exactly and what sort of story formats does that consist of? Yeah, of course. So um, communities is the overarching kind of term for our section, but we're actually called the platform section. And I commission um, first person and opinion pieces for Metro Online. Um, we commission pieces generally from non-journalists to, to journalists. We basically are about, we're a platform that gives a voice to the unheard. Um, a lot of our pieces are on reaction to the biggest news stories of the day, getting people to write who have personal experience or expertise to react to them, or we also do a lot of evergreen pieces, um, looking into people's first person experiences and exploring the moments that matter to them. So you do do evergreen stuff, that's interesting. And do you work on other areas of Metro blogs or is that just your full-time job looking at the first person stories? Full-time job looking at opinion and first person. I mean. It covers basically every vertical that we have at the site. So we do a lot of entertainment pieces, um, tech pieces, sport pieces, news, politics, lifestyle topics, all news lines um, and try and get reactions on all of them. So it is pretty diverse day on day and what we're looking for. And um, what is the readership figures? Um, so we have about 50 million UVs a month as a site um, and our audience is kind of 18 to 35 year olds. Is it mostly uh, UK or do you get um, international viewers as well? We do get a, a mixture of both. I'd say it's mostly UK, but we also have, you know, a US news reporter and, you know, a lot of our stories are, you know, do have an international focus as well. Um, I mean, most of our section specific writers are based in the UK, but we have had a lot of writers who are based elsewhere in the world. So as long as there's a, a topic or an overarching theme in a piece that, you know, can connect with people in the UK as well as elsewhere, we're happy to commission it. So talk me through the planning process. Is there an editorial meeting? Is there a daily meeting? What time does that happen? <laughs> I love a good meeting. Um, so as a team, so my team is, um, it's me, my acting deputy, who's Angela Pearson. Um, our deputy, Rosie Edwards, is on maternity leave. Um, then our community's producer is James Bessonville. And then we have a couple of lovely freelancers who join us um, on regularly um, and every morning you know as a team as a site we have our, our morning conference and then our team has a meeting shortly after where we can take the biggest news stories and find ideas talk about what working on that day if there's anything that any of us have seen that we would like to read more on um, then weekly my team has a planning meeting where we look at you know the events coming up in the next few weeks as a site we have a site planning meeting where we look at again the events coming up over the next month see if there are any projects we can do as a site we work really collaboratively we did um, 
a really brilliant focus for adoption month last year and we did a great uh, world mental health awareness week um focus where we had guest editors every day including like scarlett moffat alex beresford katie piper um so i think in as a as a section we do a lot of forward planning to look at awareness days for example we had a piece a couple of weeks ago for sexual health awareness week from a woman who was writing about having herpes and what like overcoming the stigma of that so we do a lot of planning both like as a team and also as a site to see how our content can complement other sections and what time is that meeting then that morning meeting is it early <laughs> so our conference is at nine and then my team's meeting is about nine thirty. our planning meeting is uh like late in the afternoon or wednesday for my team but i accept pictures all times of the day really i want to hear from people whenever they have um an idea you know if it's timely flag it in a subject line if it's you know evergreen i still want to hear it there's no certain time of day that's best to pitch to me okay so that's really interesting because you know i've had a lot of editors on this podcast before that say it's with opinion and real life it's got to be topical so you've got to pitch first thing in the morning and be on top of the news <laughs> so but that's not necessarily the case then no, I think with topical pieces, we kind of do look for like a same day turnaround. You know, if there's a big news story, we kind of, I suppose, we will be looking for something first thing in the mission at the morning to commission. Um, so, you know, the earlier you get in with your pitch, the, the higher chance that we'll commission you to write it. But if it's evergreen, if, you know, the stories, if you have a pitch on a news story, but you think your, your pitch moves the idea on and the conversation on, like there is no pressure to, email first thing in the morning i mean um it is always going to be like the amount of times i've received really great pictures but we have already commissioned something it happens quite a lot but i think you know the more you pitch the more someone knows the more an editor knows what you stand for and what your interest points are so a lot of the writers that have pitched to me over the years if i have a news story where they've got relevant experience i will go to them first thing and see if they have a take on it so i think it's all about you know consistent pitching and building a relationship with that editor so that you know over time you don't have to pitch as much they know that you'll have something to say on it and you can go to them yeah now how much of the stuff that you commission or the stuff that gets pitched to you is from writers you know freelance writers who you'd have to pay and then just members of the public or even prs who want to get you know a mention in and they just want to get their name in the media we pay all of our writers regardless of if they're journalists or not. Um, that's really important if someone's telling their story, you know, that we see for it. Um, I'd say most of our pieces are about half and half from journalists. When we first started out as a section, it was very much um, us getting in touch with people, you know, non-writers about their stories. Um, now we're very privileged to have built up quite a good reputation, hopefully, and, you know, a regular writer base. So we do have a lot from journalists pitching on the back of news stories but pretty much half and half I would say mixed between regular writers and also having people about their lived experience I think focus more on people's you know lived experience we want to make sure they're the best person to write the piece so it's rather than them having an opinion because they've just got a strong opinion it's having an opinion based on something that they've experienced in their life um, and that doesn't really matter if they're a journalist or not a journalist um, if they want to write about it if they're the best person to write about it uh, we commission pieces for, you know, if a journalist is pitching, we'll ask them to write the piece themselves. But a lot of people, you know, they might not feel conf confident writing or they might not have experience. So we do a lot of phone interviews and ghost written pieces as well. So what are the most likely pitches that have materialised into coverage? I imagine you get loads yeah, we get quite quite a few pictures, but I um I do try and get back to everyone. Um, 
I, you know, don't want to leave anyone hanging and I try and give people feedback as much as possible as well. You know, my ideal pitch is one that I get that's, you know, someone introduces themselves, um, they say what they want to pitch, a couple of points they would make in the piece, why they're the best person for it. If it's newsy, I want to know when they could turn it around for. Um, you know, if relevant, it's good to know if they could share pictures. You know, I want basically as much context as possible. I would avoid sending over like a full piece before it's been commissioned. But, you know, the, the things that are likely to get commissioned are you know, someone with a strong personal experience who can offer exclusivity, um, you know, someone who's clearly read the section and knows what we what we are looking for, um, not pitching something that they've written somewhere else before. That happens quite a lot. And we do offer, like, I think what's quite rare is we do offer anonymity in cases. I mean, not all cases. It can't just be because someone doesn't feel comfortable with it. Um, uh, but if, you know, there's a legal reason to do so, if their, you know, livelihood could be impacted by sharing their story, if there's ramifications for their work or for their family, or if, you know, they're talking about their sexuality, but they haven't come out, you know, there are reasons why, like, we do offer anonymity um, in some cases. Um, but again, in pitches, if that's something that a writer wants, it's best to disclose that in the initial email rather than waiting a few emails down the line. Yeah. And what about PRs pitching to you? Because often, you know, they're looking for the publicity value in something rather than, you know, I would imagine the, uh, someone pitching individually because they're incredibly passionate about, they just want to write because they want to write. So do you find that, you know, it's difficult to find a good story from a PR? And not necessarily at all. My mum's a PR, so I, I kind of occasionally get pictures of my mum, and that's the most the most awkward PR thing for everyone else. I'm fine with um, receiving pictures from. I think like, and my mum also, just to do credit to her, has some great stories. Um, <laughs> a lot of, I think you can get a lot of great pieces from PRs. I think in the cases where people are being pitched, I'd say quite often it's preferable for us to do phone interviews with the case studies themselves. Um, you know, and we will guarantee like a link in the piece um you know as long as it doesn't come across too pluggy because i mean we don't like that and also readers don't like that if they think a piece has been written with an ulterior motive they're not they're going to switch off prs often have really brilliant case studies i think it's just a balancing act between trying to get both of your needs incorporated into the piece you know they have something they want from it we have something we want from it and i think you can get to a stage where everyone's happy with it but uh, it's about making sure that the piece that comes across is it's genuine and it's not it's it's not being sold as something it's not um so yeah definitely have some brilliant pieces from prs i mean charity prs as well i've worked with a lot they have some amazing case studies and you know it's all about you know showcasing the writer's story the most regardless of what either of us want and making sure the writer is happy yeah. i was just thinking you could probably write a first person piece about having to say no to your mum yeah, no, it, it, it is awkward occasionally. I just kind of hand it over to a colleague being like, I've got a personal interest here. Please say no to my mum for me or please commission my mum for me because equally, um, you know, it's it's equally difficult to commission her as well um, because, you know, vested interest, try and be as unbiased as possible. <laughs> um, have you got any examples of any brilliant or funny or terrible pitches that you've received recently? Yeah, um, I mean, my general, like, no, no, that you can guarantee I'm going to say no to a pitch is when someone addresses an email to you and they put the wrong publication in it. Like, this would be brilliant for the evening standard. And you're like, I know you've sent this out to everyone. I'm not expecting, you know, every pitch to be completely tailored to me, but at least 
at least proofread your emails and make sure that you've directed it to the right person. So that's my biggest like no-no. But um, I also, I suppose a, a, a thing that is a helpful tip is not to pitch a story for an awareness day the day before the awareness day. As, as I've talked about, like we do planning regularly and I know people who work at weeklies or monthlies and they, they do planning well in advance. So I think like if you know you have a strong case study, if you know an awareness day is coming up, pitch as far in advance as possible because really I say most places, unless they're scrambling for a story, will have something for an awareness day sorted at least a couple of days in advance. I find a lot of the time when I say, especially I think with newer journalists, when I say no to one pitch, they come back with another pitch directly after. And when I say no to that one, they come back with another pitch directly after. And I'm really happy to be there for all pitches and kind of give give feedback on any pitches. But I think there's no rush. It doesn't. You don't need to come back with more and more pitches, like less thought out ones, because you really want to get a byline because it will happen. Um, it's just like take the time, take care with with your pitches because you know I also get a lot of emails and it's not fun for you sending out loads of emails where you're just like it doesn't come across like you really want to write these pieces it comes across as if you're looking for the byline rather than you actually care about the points you're going to be making in the piece yeah absolutely and do you ever um scout yourself for story you know if you do you try and find case studies who could perhaps write something for you oh all the time yeah um I mean, I really love that part of my job. Um, I think one of the, the pieces that I'm proudest of, of, you know, working on recently, there's actually been a, a few, but, you know, there was a story a couple of weeks ago about a woman who uh, took her employer to court for sex discrimination and won 180K. Um, and I contacted her and we got her to write a same day piece about that experience from completely from her perspective. Um, I had a great piece the other day from a woman uh, for the end of furlough who'd been furloughed for two years and I contacted her and saw if she wanted to write and you know she shared her experience of what it's been like in the uncertainty and not knowing if she was going to have a job to go back to. Um, we had one of my favourite pieces I've commissioned is from an ICU doctor who before the pandemic would buy a plant for every patient she had that died um, and then once Covid hit she didn't know what to do anymore and how to grieve her patients properly because there were just too many people dying um, and it was really moving um, and I, I love working with people who have never thought about writing th their experiences before not realizing that their, their story will touch so many and working with them to get something that they're really proud of out there uh, I mean that means a lot to me like to see see those pieces live to see people who aren't writers be so proud of a piece really uplifting um then also we commission a lot of like journalists and writers to write really timely reactions like uh, my colleague Angela commissioned a brilliant piece last Friday when Brittany um released her nudes on the internet um about you know why Brittany wants to share her naked body that's her prerogative and from this journalist called Kate Lever and it was a brilliant timely reaction I think this adrenaline rush that comes from getting a speedy turnaround on a piece and it going really well and I love I love the process so I love I love approaching people as much as I love getting a really good pitch in. How many stories do you make you know do you make go live a day in, in your section? Um, so we generally aim for about three or four every day um, you know I'd say a lot of them are ones we would have had planned in advance or they're more evergreen pieces but then we'll also make space for timely reaction 
stories as well. Um, we have a couple of series as well um, and regular columnists who write for us. So, um, you know, on Tuesdays we have James, my colleague, runs a series called Immigration Nation, which is really brilliant hearing immigrant stories who have moved to the UK. Um, you know, recently he had a piece from a woman who left her daughter in Bulgaria so she could start a new life for them in the UK. We have those on Tuesdays. Um, my colleague Angela runs a series called The Truthers, which is all about, you know, unspoken truth. So um, last week's was a piece from writer Minreet Kaur on li still living with my parents at 40 doesn't make me a failure. We've got a good one going out tomorrow. From a, This one came through a PR as well about a woman who runs a company that writes grooms speeches for their wedding days. It's a brilliant one as well. And, you know, it has, while it obviously talks about her business, it's a really engaging read and it doesn't come across like it's a, a promotional piece. We also have a series on Sundays called What It Feels Like, which is all about big moments. We've got uh, what it feels like to be diagnosed with a phobia of childbirth while you're pregnant, someone whose house was burnt down while they were asleep in it. Big moments, big feelings, I think is kind of how you sum up that series. And then I run a series on Thursdays called Hello, My Name Is, inspired by the fact that my mum is called Jane Austen, um, which is some people with uh, celebrities' names. I think the proudest one that I've commissioned is uh, there were two husbands both called Paul McCartney <laughs> which I thought was brilliant and uh, the one of the Pauls didn't let the other one know that he was called Paul for a very long time because he didn't like being called Paul McCartney. Um, we've had a guy called um, Sherlock Holmes whose dad is also called Sherlock Holmes. We've had a Naomi Campbell who ended up meeting the other Naomi Campbell. Um, we've had an Andy Murray who is a tennis coach so there's a lot of like funny stories as well. So uh, yeah, every every day we aim for three or four, but we've got a lot of regular pieces and our columnists like Nicola Thorpe, Michael Jacrovati, Dawn Butler, Caroline Lucas, Lou Saunders. Do you get people on that note, on the note of columnists, do you get people pitching to you to be a columnist? We do. And I would say Rose Stokes is one of our columnists and Jackie Adedeji are our columnists and they were regular writers before they became columnists. Um, so there's definitely the opportunity from going from a regular writer to a columnist um, but I think a lot of people who do pitch about being columnists haven't written for us before and that's kind of like we need we need to know what you stand for we need to know um, you know what the kind of things you'd write before going in for a column I'm, I completely see the appeal of being a columnist and I'm really really happy that so many people want to be a columnist for our section that they they love what we do that I feel so much joy about that but it, it, it's not it's not as simple as just pitching to be a columnist. I'd, I'd say, like, start small. Because um, you're completely separate to the newspaper, aren't you? And not a lot of people know that. So does that cause a bit of um, confusion? Um, not so much, I suppose. Like, um, we, when, when we commission people, we make it clear that we're online. Occasionally, you'll get people asking if they can have the paper sent to them when um, after the piece has gone live. And you have to say, oh, it's not going to appear in print. But I think, ultimately people just enjoy seeing their name under a byline and you know the beautiful thing about online as well is you get to I mean they're not always a joy but you get to see you know a lot of the positive comments and reactions to your piece in a way that I think a lot of writers weren't expecting. And and just finally are there any other trends you've observed either in the media just in the way that journalists are working or in the way that you're getting pitched to anything that you think is worth mentioning? I, I think what I really like seeing is I think there are a lot of people who are starting to feel more confident pitching from an earlier age. You know, when I was wanted to be a journalist, I didn't 
have the confidence to to pitch um when i was younger i i didn't think that you know what i had to say mattered as as much as like you know to to write a piece and i think it's really nice to see um people who are you know still at uni or beforehand really wanting to write pieces and share their experiences and know that they want to be a journalist and and get involved and ask for feedback and i love seeing that confidence in in younger people that i i didn't have i suppose it's not really a trend it's just a really nice thing to witness and i feel like there's a lot of you know support and advice that you know i went into journalism because i knew it was a career that existed my mum was a journalist before she was in pr but i i didn't really have the resources other like to know about different careers but i also didn't really know a huge amount before journalism before i decided i want to be a journalist whereas now there are like podcasts like this one there are you know resources and pitching workshops and mentor schemes and there's a lot of people offering support to younger journalists and and also not just younger journalists all journalists and i love seeing that the fact that a lot of people's doors are open for advice and feedback i feel like the barriers are kind of breaking down slightly which i love Yes, that that is a good thing because because journalism is so competitive, and you know I know when I was rising through the ranks of in broadcast journalism, it is just so cutthroat. So that's really nice to hear. Yeah, Jess Austin, communities editor at Metro.co.uk. Thanks so much for sharing your insights. Thanks for listening to the Media Insider. Please share this podcast or rate it on your podcast app. That's how others find it. If you're keen to get into the media or get your message and expertise more widely known, then visit thoughtleadershippr.com and see how I could help. Or find me on Twitter. Just search Helen Croydon. Good luck with your pitching.